Blog Talk Radio. checking out the betting odds 
and he definitely was not the favorite. He was not the favorite. He, he's not a major, you know, underdog or anything like that, but this is a good fight for him. This is a really good fight for him. We were just talking a couple of weeks ago how, you know, if Jake wants to keep this interest level going, he's going to have to, uh, you know, find a big fight, and he most certainly did. So we're definitely going to preview that. Definitely want to preview that because I think it's an interesting fight. I'll definitely admit that. Tyson Fury, is he trolling? Is he not? Is he just doing him on social media? Who knows with Tyson Fury? I mean, he went from he's retired a couple times to he wants to fight Chisora. We've heard uh, Manuel Char. Uh, we've heard the Nordic dude, you know, like the world's strongest man or whatever. You know what I mean? We've heard a bunch of different uh, fights that he may be involved in. But day or the was it the day before? Anyway, he offered uh, – Anthony Joshua fight to fight in December um, because we know that, you know, Anthony AJ has said and say that he heard that he wants to fight in December, but it's not always easy just to get a, a large fight like that done quickly. You know what I mean? So that's why, and then he's talking about 60, 40. And uh, so we're going to talk about that a little bit. I'll give my take on it. Is he actually being for real or is he just trolling? Is he, I don't know. I mean, I understand he wants to fight this year. He doesn't want to wait around, but Usyk just fought. You know what I mean? So, of course, he's not going to turn right around and fight you. I think it'd be kind of unfair for him to do that, you know, especially what he had been in prior to camp in the fight. You know what I mean? So, he's got a lot going on in his life. You know, the, the distractions got to be crazy and just the, the trauma uh, of what's going on in the Ukraine. So, um, I don't I, – this one's – I don't know, man. Uh, it's it's kind of funky, to be honest with you. You're like, are you being serious here, dude? Because it doesn't seem like it. So he, he'd fight Anthony Joshua because he thinks, well, the, that's a bigger fight on pay-per-view, uh, you know, than Usyk, even him losing back-to-back times with Usyk. And, and as far as the U.K. pay-per-view, I, I do agree with him there. Um, but I don't know. I certainly wouldn't be against it, that's for sure. I just don't know if, you know, AJ wants to lose twice and then jump right into a fight like that of that magnitude. But we'll see. We'll definitely see. Anyway, if this is your first time listening to the Rope Dope Radio podcast, welcome. It streams live right here on blogtalkradio.com forward slash Rope Dope Radio. However, you don't have to go to Rope Dope and Blog Talk and all that. Download the show there directly or, or listen to, you know, to in the browser. If you don't want to, you can find the platform, Rope Dope Radio on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Player FM, Spricker, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music. Uh, while you're at it, why don't you head on over to thegrowingtruth.com. And one more thing, if you're thinking about cutting the cord, or you're having, you're not quite that happy with it, I got something for you. It's called DirecTV Stream. The prices start as low as $49.99 for two months. It's a limited time offer. Um, it's the best of live TV and on-demand. No annual contracts, no hidden fees. You get to enjoy regional sports networks, which you know are becoming tougher and tougher. And if you upgrade to the choice or ultimate packages, that gives you three free months of HBO Max, Showtime, Star Cinemax, Cinemax, and Epics, uh, boxing fans, Showtime-wise, 
there is still that deal where it's three months for five fifty per month. Otherwise, Showtime's eleven dollars on the platform. That's Directv Stream. Okay, so man, I've had kind of a whirlwind of a day, and it's nice just to sit back, take a little sip of agua, and talk some boxing. And you know, it was definitely uh, you know. A marathon of a card. We had six fights, like I said, on the card. And uh, we're just going to dig right into the main event. Um, it, it was kind of a slow start. Like I said, this whole fight had ebbs and flows. If all the, the, the ebbs and flow, like the, 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 you know, the slower part had happened in the first three to four rounds, and then all the drama and the power shots and the getting knocked down and all that, looking like you're going to get knocked out, as Ortiz did throughout this fight. If that was like in the second half of the fight, I think people would have a, a different vibe, you know, and a different feeling from this fight. You know, like sometimes fights will just warm up, and then like from the fifth round on, they're awesome. This was just kind of all over the place. And like I said, it had a, a bit of a slow start early. You could see Ruiz was uh, moving, uh, you know, kind of subtly, nothing crazy. Uh, with his jab, you know, landing some nice shots, uh, some left hooks and right hands uh, to the to the head. Um, and he got some body shots in there, too. In the first round, Ortiz did land a, a nice late left hand. It's like an overhand left. And uh, it landed pretty flush. So some people just gave him, you know, Ortiz did some other work, but that was the best shot probably of the round. So some people just gave, you know, gave Ortiz that round based off that shot. Um, the second round, this is when all hell broke loose. Um, and I actually had the, what was it, I believe for uh, the decision. Was it 235 or 220? I can't remember. But uh, Andy Ruiz's decision, I thought, you know, second round early in this fight, I was like, oh, yeah, this isn't, this isn't going to make it. I mean, is it going to make the final bell? The early exchanges back and forth, I would say Ruiz got the better of those. But then, you know, the body punching along with the jab, some of the jabs go into the body, uh, not just the, the left hand for Ortiz, and then a big right hand um, dropped him, dropped, uh, you know, dropped Ortiz. Um, the second one was kind of like a grazing, push-down type shot. There was something landed in there, but I'm not sure if that second one was – you know, exactly like that. But Ortiz, in a couple more exchanges, he landed a counter left hook that was nasty. Um, a nice little combination, uh, right-left hand down the stretch for Ruiz. The last, like, 20 or 30 seconds was great action. Just a, a phenomenal second round. I mean, that was like, okay, dude, we got to fight. And like I said, I'm thinking, oh, dude, there's no way Ortiz is going to make it. Third and fourth round, that was Ruiz. You know, he still had that measured, you know, a little bit more measured after getting a couple of shots in there. Um, and he probably nicked that round with body work. Uh, it did seem like there was a nice right hand to the body that bothered, bothered Ortiz. Ortiz in the fourth round, he got to the body as well. There was a late left hook, a few nice jabs. But um, I would say the better shots overall, there was a left hook counter, a couple of them. He was really sitting there waiting for those counters a whole lot. You know, he was trying to counter a counter puncher. 
and have Ortiz be the aggressor more, and that's where he can get caught. He's not used to getting, you know, countered like that. Um, then I thought Ortiz kind of took the fight over for a little bit in the fifth and sixth round. Probably from the fifth to the eighth, I would give, or obviously you got to give the seventh Ortiz, uh, Ruiz, but I gave three out of those four rounds. The fifth round, jabbing really nicely, jabbing more too, like doubling it up, circling well, a uh, couple of left hands to the left, uh, to the to the head. Um, don't get me wrong. There's body work, and, and, and I remember a late uh, counter shot uh, right with the right hand from Ruiz, but it wasn't you know it wasn't enough. Um, there was a lot of clashing of heads. You could see by mid round. You could see that more and more with the orthodox southpaw. Slower round in the sixth. That's when the boobirds were coming out. It, it had a lot of drama, but anytime, especially you know in, in L.A. Anytime there's like 10, 20 seconds of uh, not much happening, the crowd is going to let you know uh, that for sure. But, yeah, I'd say the jabs, his defense, he started really getting a little sharp, did Ortiz, um, and a few left hands. He won that round for me. And actually in the seventh round for me, he was winning that round. You know, he had his jab going, more counter left hands, a few just straight left hands. Um, But then a big right hand and kind of – choppy shot um, in the eighth round. Or was it the seventh round? Seventh round, yeah, what am I saying? Um, it, you know, it, like I said, this big right, I think it was a big left hand and then a, a kind of a choppy shot um, that stole the round and obviously, you know, it was kind of, the knockdown was kind of like the top of the head or like the back of the head, kind of on the top part in the back. It, it kind of what he, they actually met, they actually talked about it on the broadcast. It's very similar to what he hit, uh, you know, um, Anthony Joshua with, where it's just like your equilibrium, it doesn't look good. And it didn't. It was another knockdown. It's 10-8. And now I'm coming back to like, oh, here we go again. But to credit Ortiz, there was like a few different uh, separate exchanges. And I thought Ortiz got the better of those. And he was steady using that jab again, the left hooks. Uh, the overhand lefts, whereas it's more like the right to the body. I remember that in the eighth round from Ruiz. But then the ninth round, I gave it to Ortiz, but it was a close round. Uh, flush right hands, uh, nice kind of right-left combos in the early part from Ruiz, uh, really steady jab and a late left hand. I think the late left hand stole that round for Ortiz, but it was close. Very close. There was a lot of competitive rounds in this. Like I said, it had ebbs and flows, but throughout, it was competitive. Um, and then, you know, more left hands, solid jab. I gave Ortiz definitely the, te- the, the tenth round. And it felt like Ruiz, by that time, was being a little too patient. He was looking for that one big shot. And, you know, that's great and all, but sometimes you can get a little too patient, and then you're getting countered. And I thought that, um, you know, in the 11th round, he kind of he kind of got a little bit more energetic, you know, using his jab, landing the choppy right hands. There was a great early exchange in that one, too. A clean left hook landed, uh, then several right hands. I think he's – I don't remember how many, but he, he kept throwing that right hand. Uh, not quite like Mares did. Remember when he landed like five or seven right hands in a row uh, earlier in that fight? Um but there was a, I think he was, well, it was that right hand, that left eye 
was closing fairly rapidly, it looked like. Then when the fight was done, it, it looked okay. But Ortiz's eye was starting to, you know, when the eyelash kind of wraps up, it's almost like you could see, like, some of the skin. It, it, was, kinda, it was messed up. But he ultimately said, you know, it's, it didn't really affect me or anything like that. And I was hoping, like, you know, let's not let's not stop this fight now. We're here, you know. And, of course, I'm biased because I have Andrew Ruiz, you know, by a decision. But I was hoping they wouldn't do anything, and, of course, they didn't. Um, Ortiz came gunning right away. Few left hands, actually a really nice right hook. Ruiz slugs back, lands a big right hand. I think it was a lead and then a counter left of his own. Uh, midway through, you had Ortiz, you know, landed a left uppercut. Um, he had, like, two straight left hands. And then Ruiz would fire back with his right hands. And, and it was a fun-ass way to close the fight. More left hands getting through. Good closing round for both, really. But I did give it to to Ortiz. And like I said, this was a... This is a close fight. You know, you could have it. For me, I had it 7-5, to five, uh, six, 6 for Ruiz, and obviously the three knockdowns uh, were the difference. Some people had it. You know, actually, one of those judges had it um, rounds-wise anyway. Um, what was it, 113-112, something like that? 114-111. Um, so, yeah, it was uh, it was a fun fight. I mean that was a that was a competitive fight. Like I said, for the the slow parts, it still was competitive rounds though. So if a fight's competitive, it's it's tough for me to get too pissed off uh, and start booing or whatever. But I, I I thought it had enough drama. It had definitely had a lot of skill and just that back and forth through the whole fight. So but like it seemed like everything they land was big, but the fact that I mean Ortiz did throw 428 whereas Ruiz didn't even make 300 and, and, and I think it was 287 um, he was at a higher percentage 26 to 18 uh, percent wise but 78 76 like that's those are the lands so anytime you don't land in a 12 round fight 100 punches you know and you're not throwing at least 400 or whatever that's where I did think Ruiz was maybe a little too patient but you know at the same breath it's like you know, when he did open up, he was getting caught pretty pretty clean. So, um, and, you know, he had been off for a long, long time. I mean, he had fought late April 2021, so well over a year, you know. Um, so, you know, all in all, I thought Ruiz, considering, looked pretty good. In Ortiz, there was times you were like, because, mm, you know, you're starting to see him fade, and you're thinking his punch resistance, you know, is gone. That's what it kind of feels like. But then, you know, credit to him, he'll find his groove again. And, you know what I mean? So it's kind of, I don't know, it's kind of weird like that. But overall, um, I think that enough of those knockdowns happen. And, and I think if they fought in like four to six months and Ruiz, you know, didn't have to be out another year or whatever, I think that – oh, what's – something happened with my son. Sorry about that. Um, I just think that he would – he'd probably knock him out, you know, or TKO. Uh, that's what I'm guessing. But overall, 
It was a good. It was a sturdy performance by Ruiz. I think he gave himself a B. I'd say that's right. I don't think it was. Uh, I did expect him to get on the inside more and kind of let those hands go. We definitely saw it um, because that's where he can get you the body in the head with those, you know, um, like forehead temple type shots and really hurt you. Um, but he boxed pretty well. And like I said, the guy can counter. I mean, you're in there with two counter punchers. You know, I, that's where I think the ebbs and flows was for that exact reason. And, and like I said, Ortiz was looked like he was hurt and was almost gone, and, and he recouped, and he landed big shots enough to, to, to get that respect from Ruiz. So he's like, all right, let me get back to what I was doing and then try to knock him out that way. But, um, you know, I would like to see, I mean, assuming Deontay Wilder gets past Helenius, I mean, if Helenius wins, you know, that would be, what, three in a row or whatever, four in a row. So I'd, I'd watch Ruiz and Helenius. I, I think that would be a good fight. But um, I think it, you know, if Deontay, as long as Deontay wins and he's injury-free, I don't see why they shouldn't get this fight popping. You know what I mean? I think it, it, it's, it's a good fight. It's a good money fight. It does, you know, do numbers. It does a really nice gate, that's for sure. Um, and it would be fun. And, I, I you know, that would be an edge of the cedar because we know both guys have power. Obviously, only one guy has stood up, or at least uh, maybe not even stood up because he got dropped, what, four different times. But, you know, he, he ultimately stood up, got back up to the power, and Tyson Fury I'm speaking of. Um, but other, otherwise, you know, he's knocked everybody out uh, besides Deferm, but then we saw what happened in the rematch, so. I just think it's an interesting matchup. I think we could see Ruiz up on the cards and then getting hurt and maybe getting knocked out, but he's got a pretty damn good chin. I know Ariola dropped him, but I think as long as he stays focused, you know, and takes a little break now and then the rest of the year, maybe take a little break, get back in the gym, you know, sometime in October and have like, you know, stay in the gym, stay in the gym. I was going to say have a little mini camp kind of matters how the you know how far the fight is out but i would like him to be able to you know stay in the gym get back in the gym maybe you know for a a chunk of weeks maybe sometime in october go till you know um thanksgiving and then get out of the gym for a little bit come back and you know i just i just want him to stay in shape and stay ready because uh you know i think that's such it's so crucial with him when he's in shape ready to go He's an interesting fighter and a tough one. You know, he, he's, he's got skills. He really does. And I think you'll see a better performance the next time out, no matter who he fights, because, you know, as long as it's within, you know, half a year or something, as long as it's within sometime first quarter next year, I don't see why he wouldn't be better out there. Um, so, yeah, that's the fight I definitely want to see. And we'll see how Wilder looks. You know, this kind of just made me think. And speaking of Wilder, he's talking about sparring all these rounds. He said, I want to get to a 1,000 rounds. And it's like, but the way Joe Goosen said it, he kind of made it, because what they say, 470 or whatever, 420? I forgot what it was. But he kind of made it, Goosen, I was kind of talking to somebody at the time, but I kind of overheard Goosen, and I think, Correct me if I'm wrong, and I'm sure you, you know, 
somebody will. But it kind of made it sound like they were doing like mitts rounds, like doing the mitts for that many rounds. And then he's going to get back and then start to spar. Because if he's sparring a thousand rounds, like, and it's your first time doing that, I, I just, a thousand rounds just seems nuts. Like, it's one thing to do 10 or 15 and have five minute rounds, right? We've seen Mayweather do that and all that, but like, I mean, that just shows you what shape he's in, even if he is doing those rounds with the mitts or whatever, but I don't know. A thousand rounds? Like, that just seems like way too much. I mean, let's say you go 30 to 50 rounds in a week, you know, and then you time, you don't start sparring right when you start camp. If you do an eight or ten week camp, I mean, like I said, it just it just really seems like I mean, fifty a week. If you do it three times, I'm just saying, right? I mean, to me, that just seems like way too many rounds, dude. Especially if you've never done it. Like, do it when you know you don't have a fight coming up or something like that. Just go through the process and see if your body feels good and all that, you know. It just seems like way too many rounds, but the only way it makes sense is if he was talking about doing those mitts for so many rounds. And so he's really working on being more active, and you could tell, like, you know, he is back to being thinner. He he didn't worry about putting bulk on. It'll be interesting to see what he weighs, too. Uh, But that – I wrote that little note going, is he saying he's going to spar a thousand rounds? Like, I just don't – I mean, I, I suppose, like, like I said, 50 in a week, that's 200 in a month. Yeah, no, that's that's too much, dude. That's too much. I don't, I don't know, man. It just seems, let me know. Maybe I'm tripping, dude. I mean, he's not like a flyweight or some shit. But anyway, um, and then Isak Cruz, Ed, Eduardo Ramirez, first of all, the crowd, you know, was all about that Gervonta fight really blew up his name, and I did like how after the fight, Gervonta was in the crowd. By the way, Gervonta looked in great shape, and that's so – like, we don't have to for, – for, I don't know. For, for the time being, we really don't have to worry about Gervonta uh, getting out of shape and all that and gaining a bunch of weight and losing, you know, not being able to make weight and all that. I really believe that. I think he's turned that leaf. And I think he's he's a different guy when it comes to that. I really do. I think it's pretty evident now. Um, so it was nice to see him. He's really opened up media-wise, and he was smiling. He was laughing. He was having a good time. He was, you know what I mean? So, and him and Ryan Garcia got a little back and forth on Twitter. No way. But they did kind of tweet some stuff where you're like, wait a second. Did, are they trying to say that? Ryan agreed to terms, that they agreed to terms. It's kind of weird. We'll talk about that later. But overall, I, I just like the vibe of it. But I did think Eduardo was – I mean, when you're taking on Isak, he can end the fight, you know, with a shot or hurt you to the point where you're going to end the fight. But I did think Eduardo would last longer, especially him being on the move. And I thought he'd kind of mix it up. But he was moving a lot more than he normally does. The first round was pretty slow. Second round – early hooks, like left hooks, and then midway through that second round, another left hook, he was going to the body, he was landing a big right hand, and then just a monstrous left hook 
Um, and I think he hit him with like a left and a right when he was down. He dropped him. Uh, vicious, vicious left hook shots to close the fight. It was a wrap. I mean, I did not, you know, I didn't, I didn't sit there last week and hype this fight up. I thought it'd be entertaining, but I, you know, I'd seen Eduardo fight a couple of times and I thought he would be able to, um, you know, give him something to think about on the move a little bit. And he's a good fighter, you know, maybe 135 is not his, you know, a great place for him. I guess we'll find out when it comes to that. But, um, that was pretty vicious, and they basically they got what they wanted out of that fight. There's no doubt about that. And I know it was for a, some sort of title limit. I believe it was the WBC. Um, and we talked about this. We talked about it last week, how at some point, if it's not next, they're going to fight again. It, it was too competitive a fight. It was, it was an entertaining fight. We know that. You know, Gervonta did talk about his hand uh, later, like at the press conference, but he, he did make, you know, make it clear that he didn't want to make an excuse. But it was too close of a fight not to run it back, you know. And now, like, it was a, it was a sizable crowd. We'll see what the gate is. I, I don't think it did some kind of monster two or three million dollar gate or anything like that. It'd be interesting to see if it hit a million. I think it has potential for that. Maybe a little more, maybe a little less. I'm not sure. Maybe, you know, maybe it was only 500000 or seven fifty or something like that. Based off the ticket prices, I think, I don't know. Didn't, wasn't, didn't Garcia just do like 1.2 or 1.6? I can't remember at the, at the Staples Center there. Well, it's not the Staples Center anymore. But anyway, um, either way, you know, I mean, him and Roley, I know Tank said, you know, he should fight Roley. That would be a great fight, too. And I wonder if Roley would take that fight. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's talking about, oh, Spence is ducking me and Javante's ducking me and everybody's ducking him. But Isak and Roley, dude, that would be a blast. I would favor Cruz in that, but that'd be fun. Um, And then... We had um, do, 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 oh Abner Mares, that's right Abner Mares and Miguel Flores and like I said when you've been out of the ring for over four years Miguel Flores is a, a perfectly fine opponent to come back to but um, you know the first let's say three to five rounds let's say the first six rounds maybe Flores win won one of those, you know what I mean? Um, maybe, you know. Um, I got to say, Mares did look pretty good considering. Now, we know the opponent's not. It's a fringe guy, but and he's been in the ring with a, a lot of prospects and all that, but um, that jab, the looping right hand, he was just landing the better shots um, with like 40 seconds left. Or no, it was 40 seconds, I think, into the second round. Huge right hand, and, and that's when he landed about five or six right hands in a row. Followed up with a left hook, went to the you know combination with the with the body. You did see uh, Flores though land his right hand and his left hook, and he went to the body as well. Um, and some late right hands by Mars. That that was enough to win that round. Mars was boxing well on the move, kind of just uh, 
let them walk into traps and all that. I did think by the fourth round you started to see Flores have more success. He was coming forward. The fourth round was close. And that's when the round started getting closer. And there was a low blow, I believe, uh, if, I, if I remember correctly. Uh, but he did start to you know, put that body work in. And then not much activity and a lot more movement out of Mares in that in that fourth round. You know, later in the round, he, he started going a little bit more. And I, I thought the pot shots in the fifth and the better shots, but a very close round in the sixth. That's where, you, you know, maybe Flores won the sixth. I gave him the fifth, Mares, but and on my scorecard, I did give him the sixth. But it was a close round. Um, and then the seventh round, I gave to Flores, but very close round. You know, Mares closed really well overall. The punch stats, I think, were what was it, 15 to 15 they mentioned, something like that, 16-16. So that was a really close round. The eighth round, Mares just a little bit busier, you know. That was kind of the difference there. I did give Flores the ninth in the tenth about his body work, his overall just landed the better shots. Um, he got back in the fight. I gave it to Mares 6-4 or 5-4-1, maybe 5-5. Five, five. I, I could see that. Um one judge had it uh, 96-94, and the other two judges had it 95-95. And, you know, when you're at the 6-4 or 5-4-1 or 5-5, or five, five, you know, that kind of tells you right there. Mares did outland them 151 uh, to 124 and, and definitely uh, 20, what was it, 25% to 19. They both throw in the 600. So it was a competitive fight. I probably would have gave it to Mares if, if, if I had to choose someone to give it to, you know. If I had to make a decision, I probably would do that. But um, Flores basically gave a good account for himself, you know, for what it was. You know, like I said, he's a tough dude. Um, good. He's solid. He's nothing nothing crazy. But um, overall, you know, I don't know where Mares goes. I really hope that Tank's not next, though. I mean, I, and I know he was – Abner Mars is one of my favorite fighters from the last generation. I've said that before. Um, and I don't, I know he said recently, you know, like, what was that, 2018? I think it was February 2018. They were going to fight at the Stub Hub and, and Carson at the war grounds. And then that's when he got that eye injury. And, hey, if you're going to come back, at least you took a lot of time off. But it seems like you took too much time, obviously. And, and I thought he was done. But we've seen it time and time again with boxers. You know, they get that little burn in them. And, and I know he mentioned, you know, at that time of the injury, I would have beat Tank for sure in that fight. And like, I don't think I would have. Um, but, you know, like I said, I'm very biased towards Mares, you know. But, you know, it is what it is, you know. It is what it is. Um, but I, I hope it's not next. I really, really, really hope it is not next. Um, I, I don't want to see that fight. Uh, did he look good for the first half of the fight? Yeah, he did. Will he look better in his next fight? Yeah, of course he will because, you know, he was off for four-plus years. But I just don't want to I mean, if you're fighting to a draw with Flores in shape, prime, ready to go these last couple of years now, I just, I personally don't want to see it. You know, I, I would rather not. 
Uh, we'll get to the upset. Let's talk about the undercard fights as far as on FS1 and on Fox. Um, the Fox one, Joey Spencer stepping up against Kevin Salgado. You know, so it's two unbeaten prospects. And um, Salgado was coming off a really good performance. And Joey, it's funny because John and I talked about how, you know, how will Joey Spencer approach this fight? Will he try to be exciting? Will he look for the big shots? Will he look, put every, you know, all his might in every punch and get tired? Or will he go out there and try to be more fundamental and try to box smart? And, and you know, sometimes these, I don't know, sometimes prospects, you know, they're so used to knocking people out, then they get tired trying to knock somebody out. Then they start to sharpen up their skills. Maybe they go up a weight class like they're they're sick of making this weight because they've been doing it since they were 10 or whatever. You know, or maybe not 10, but you know what I mean, since a teenager. Sometimes prospects can kind of go through a ebbs and flows. And then when they get to a step-up fight, all of a sudden you see some stuff that they've been working on in the gym. They're fully capable of it, but you just don't see it a whole lot in the ring or you saw it against lesser opposition. And for me... Joey Spencer looked pretty good. I mean, he had body head movement. Um, you know, he was jabbing to the body. Um, and don't get me wrong, Salgado had his jab going too, and, and he was he wasn't landing it much, but he was throwing it. I think that was the biggest thing. Salgado was active with the jab, but you know, he didn't really land it a whole lot. And by the third or fourth round, you're like, wow, like Spencer's in complete control. Um. You know, even like in the fourth round, in the fifth round, that was probably, that was Delgado's best round um, of the fight up until the fifth round. You know, I did think that. I think he had his moments in the fourth round, but the left hooks, um, the counter shots early and late by Joey Spencer in the fourth were enough. And then he was in like in the movement with defense in pot shot mode, and then he'd go to the body. And, and just overall, landed the better shots. He looked pretty damn good. He looked pretty damn good. So, Joey Spencer, credit to you. Um, you look good, man. Uh, paused. But he really did. I thought I thought he looked fundamentally sound. And uh, he's talking about, I'm ready to fight Harrison or a couple of, of these top guys. Um, and now, what, he's got 16 fights or whatever. So, we'll see. But I, I was very impressed with Joey Spencer. And I know a lot of people, including John, will probably say, you know, I didn't like how he fought because he wasn't entertaining and all that. And I hear that. I do hear that. Um, but that, that layer of Joey Spencer makes him all of a sudden an interesting fighter to, to beat, to try to beat. Um, a lean on the undercard going against, uh, Pla- Pla- what is it? Planya? Payan? Panya? Panya? Planya? Um, I think it's Panya. Um, I mean, this was all elite. I mean, the opening round uh, was, it was it was just a good, crisp round. Um, landed the better shots. The leaping left hand, did it kind of graze um, Plania? I think so. But it was like the ropes were like holding him up. You know, his, his butt landed on the ropes. So I could kind of see... Um, what the ref was saying, but it was kind of like, mm, I don't know. But either way, uh, you know, the, he looked sharp. I mean, a lean 
this is the sharpest I've seen them. And this was a solid, you know, this was, I think the ring has a lean four or five and Plania was 10. So, I mean, this was a legit opponent and he went out there and looked great. I mean, how many rounds he won all the rounds almost. I mean, I'd say probably did win all the rounds. I think all three had 189. Um, he had it going. You know, he was going to the head end body. Uh, you know, like I said, those leaping rights and left hooks or leaping straight right. Uh, just like quick attack and then moving on the outside and then boom, right back in him. Pause. And, uh, you know, at times you saw Plania do stuff, you know. He'd land some nice left hands. He's got that kind of awkward you know, from weird angles where he throws punches, but he couldn't, he just couldn't get off on them. And so he was outclassing them with the in and out, landing better shots, busier, just classy stuff. Triple left hook to the body, um, jabs, body and head, quick little combos move. You know, I mean, this guy, it was an all around performance. Um, and even down to the 12th round, he, he, he amped it up. I mean, the last two rounds, especially the last round, he was landing hard left hooks. It looked like he was going for the stoppage. So, Aleem, this is big. This is big. And I remember last week I did get a a message from somebody saying that, you know, this guy shouldn't even be ranked at all. Um, it, or he wasn't ranked. It's basically like a no-hoper. And it, it played out like a no-hoper. But he, you know, this person does go by the ring a lot. So I think he just missed it or whatever. But the ring had him at 10. I'm not trying to say he's a, you know, fifth or something. But he's a solid fighter. And this was a solid matchup. Remember, Aleem's trying to get the big fight. So this is just a solid fight to get there. You know what I mean? That, that's all it is. That's all it is. So, I mean, I didn't have a problem with this fight at all. Heading into it, I don't know why you would. Like I said, he, he's staying busy. Um, why not? And and also, you know, like the sanctioning bodies or not, most people don't like them, but you do got to play by the rules as far as the rankings. And we all know their rankings suck, right, a lot of times. Not all the times, but most of the time. And, I mean, for instance, in the IBF, uh, Plania is fourth in it. So you have no, uh, uh, there's no one rated at two, but Luis Neri's three and Plania's four. On this list, IBF has Raiz Alim 12th. Okay. Then you have Neri and Plania at one and two uh, for Stephen Fulton's WBO. Raiz Alim is sixth. So I'm looking at the WBO and the IBF and Plania, and I'm not saying, well, he's ranked higher, so he's he deserved his ranking in the ring. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying you do have to work your way up in the mandatory position. That's what you have to do. So why not? You know, I think he was ranked higher than him in the the, uh, the WBC, but still, Aleem's only eighth in the WBC, you know? So this was a ranked guy in, in, you know, in most, and he's ranked 12th in the WBA, you know, Plania was 13th. So, I mean, 
it made sense for that reason too. You know, like I said, I, I don't like the belts and the sanctioning belts and all, you know, all the rankings and dumb shit like that. I, I hear you, but you got that, that, that's what's at stake, dude. That's exactly what's at stake. So that's what you got to go against. Man. That's what you have to, you got to put yourself in the mandatory position. I know that, uh, you know, he was calling out Stephen Fulton. It sounds like Fulton and Neri are going to fight. I wouldn't doubt if it was a mandatory because I think Neri's number one in, for both his belts. So hopefully that cleans up both of the, the Mandos then too. But we'll see if that's the scenario. And, and who knows? You know, maybe Fulton has that one fight and he goes up to 126. We don't know because we know MJ. We know that fight's not happening because Eddie is hurt. But either way. Back to Aline. Pretty much a picture-perfect performance, man. It's almost like the first time I saw him fight, but against a better opponent this time. And I was very, very impressed. So, uh, shots out to Aline. Um, and then, I mean, <laughs> the fight of the night. It really was. Now, the fight of the night on this car. Okay, there was another, uh, what was it, straw weight or one of the small weights. It wasn't minimum. I think it was straw. Uh, was it 108? I can't remember. But there's a fight that I haven't been able to watch just yet. I had a bunch of technical difficulties last night trying to record a show, and the thing just kept dropping. I, on my side, it was good, but on my co-host's side, it wasn't. It kept dropping, 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 and so... It delayed us doing the show and didn't have time before work today. So, but I am for sure going to watch that fight. I, you know, and I'll talk about it next week real quick. But I heard, I heard it was a great fight. Um, but um, Jose Valenzuela versus Edwin De Los Santos, who came in on short notice, um, but you'd never guess it. <laughs> you know, you'd never guess it. I mean, this this had fireworks written all over it, both power punchers, both, you know, obviously skilled. But, I mean, wow. That first round, one of the best rounds of the year, obviously. Or I should say the second round, my bad. Second round, one of the best rounds of the year because it's like, how do you score that round, you know? Um, but uh, De Los Santos won the first round for sure for me. Um Came out with a nice quick jab, uh, a few, like, left hands early in that round, early in that fight, um, even a little body work late in that round. So, you know, Venezuela did have a, a nice little combo through a nice left hand. Um, and he actually did kind of land a big, was it a, it was kind of like a, it's it is like a perfect jab that landed as well not no this De Los Santos landed this perfect jab while Venezuela was coming in and just it didn't clip him like he went down perfect shot and he kept doing that in the fight and it it's not like this fight lasted long man I would have loved to seen another four to five rounds but I'm not saying it's a bad stoppage um and then, I mean, right off the bat, back and forth exchanges. We're talking major exchanges. Um, and you can see De Los Santos landing his jab, going to the head and body with hooks. 
Um, but And it looked like, man, he is doing some damage in there. And all of a sudden, the left hand and then another left hand by Venezuela drops De Los Santos. And you're like, oh, shit, there's that power, dude. Okay. More exchanging back and forth. All of a sudden, a right hook, back-to-back, I think it was right hooks, uh, dropped Venezuela. And you're like, oh, shit. And they actually, in that round, um, he did get a point deducted. It could have been a DQ, but it was a because it was a late hit. He was it was definitely late. I know like Lennox Lewis is talking about. Well, no, he wasn't all the way down, dude. He was down. He was definitely down. I mean, he was down, dude. He was in a position where you're not going to throw another punch. But you know, De Los Santos was feeling himself, and he was probably feeling the moment, uh, and he so he got a point deducted. So um, I would say uh, Edwin won the round. As far as just who won the round, like who landed the better shots, I'd say he won. He he won the round. But then they both got knocked down, and then there's a point deduction. So, you know, if you're if you're an actual judge, as weird as it sounds, it seems like it's a 10-9 round, <laughs> right? Um, some people were like, no, that's 9-9. But, you know, it's a 10-point must system. Uh, you know, if you give them a knockdown, you know, so there's a knockdown and a point deduction that goes in the favor of Valenzuela, but there's a knockdown, and if you think Dos Santos, De Los Santos, I mean, won the round and scored a knockdown, well, then that evens it out. You could make a case for 8-8 eight to eight or maybe 9-8. You know, it really matters how, you, how you're going to do it. But honestly, like 8-8, eight to eight, like if you're not a, in, a you know, a, a commission judge, like a judge that's sanctioned by the commission, you have to do a 10-point must system, it's probably 8-8 in my mind. Because like I said, he knocked him down and he won the round. So to me, that's 10-8. And then, you know, a point deducted, you know, 9-8, and then a knockdown. So 8-8. But that was, I mean, that was a, and after that, I thought, shit, dude. I don't know if Valenzuela is going to be able to do it. And sure enough, early, like a nice short left hand by uh, Edwin drops him. It was during that exchange. It was like, oh, shit. And then a huge left hand again. And they stopped it. TKO, it's over. And the, and the ref had been like, hey, dude, you know, we're, gonna, we're not going to be able to let you get away with this. You know, or not get away with, but, like, we're not going to let you just take all this punishment. You know what I mean? Like, you're getting hurt, dude. You look really hurt. You're still a young guy. You can come back with it. You are. You're not going to get dropped, you know. I mean, not in the ring, but you know what I mean. He's not going to probably get dropped uh, from his, you know, from the PBC. They'll probably bring him back, and you know, it was. Now he was supposed to fight a southpaw anyway, but it, but it definitely was a different opponent. I got to give him a, a lot of credit. I mean, we got to give Edwin De Los Santos a ton of credit uh, coming in as a late replacement. But you also got to give, you know, Jose Venezuela and his people some credit too because they could have just said, nah, dude, we don't want to fight this guy. We don't want to fight. Let's wait. You know, we're not ready for this fight. We can make that fight, but let's make it in a couple months or whatever because, um, you know, the opponent, the original opponent, uh, just real Corrales had issues with his visa. So, 
Uh, and, you know, that would have been more of a spoiler fight, more than likely, as far as an opponent. I still think he would have gotten something out of it, that's for sure. But, um, I mean, that was the fight of the night. It really was on that card I'm speaking of. Like I said, I, I, had, I haven't. I just haven't. Be, that Sunday night thing messed me up as far as being able to watch enough fights, you know, um, to before the show. So, um, and I didn't want to push this to Wednesday late night, so I figured screw it. But I am going to watch that fight um, maybe even later tonight. I don't know, but I, I did hear that the zone. I saw the, you know, the lead, I, I saw the, the weird stoppage thing. And I saw some highlights of that. I think it was a strawweight fight, but I didn't. Um, I didn't get to watch the whole thing, so I am excited that I still get to watch that at some point this week. Um, you know, and some people once the fight's over, they know who won. Um, go back and watch it. I'm not. I, I like it still. I mean, if it's a good fight, why not? You know, or like prospect wise, if someone got pushed or something and I didn't see it, I'll go. I'll go back and watch it. You know. Um, so all in all, it was an entertaining card. Um, you know, the casuals, two of them, or common boxing fan, like I like to say, uh, they had enjoyment out of it. You know, there was like, you know, Ruiz, Wilder came in there. We think that's next, so they're pumped about that. The Cruz, one of the guys had seen that fight with Gervonta, and he was pumped. You know, he needs to fight him, too. If it's not Garcia, it should be Cruz. So they were they were excited for that. They were definitely excited for that. Um, but it was a good card. It was a good card. Overall, entertaining fights. Um, I did think we get more competitiveness in the first two fights on, on FS1 and Fox. But credit to Spencer and Aleem for making those not competitive at all. So it wasn't like they weren't matched well. Uh, they just outperformed. No doubt about that. Oops, shit. So, yeah, overall, I was happy with the card. It was a fun night. Like I said, the main event had a lot of drama, big shots, but it did have those, you know, those pockets of like, wow, they're just trying to counterpunch each other, you know? And it was like, huh. It's very, especially a 12-round fight, like I mentioned, to not land 100 punches. That kind of tells you it's slow. But when they did land, they were big-ass shots. I mean, so um, overall, though, a fun weekend, no doubt about it. Um, now, this weekend, we have a doubleheader, Clarissa Shields, Savannah Marshall, Michaela Mayer, and uh, Alicia Baumgartner. I, I, I'm looking forward to both these fights. I really am. I, I'm, I think this is a great night uh, for boxing in general, especially, obviously, women's boxing, right, like to have a doubleheader like this. Uh, these can these could be main events on their own, but for them to put this on a you know credit to Sky Sports for this and ESPN Plus as well, um, man or ESPN whatever top rank. But damn, this this is a good good fight. I'm looking forward to both these fights. And when you look at the betting odds, the Marshall Shields is a fifty fifty. It really is. And I thought it'd be interesting to go back and watch that fight again. I had seen it a while back. I'm talking a while back now. And I thought, you know, let me refresh my memory. Um, You try not to get too lost in what happened in the ring that night because it was so long ago. 
even shields, or not shields, but a marshal even says, yeah, that she's way better now, yada, yada, yada. Um, it's funny because Clarissa looked more like a power puncher who would have power in the pros, and that has not been the case. She has pop and all that, but not like knockout power per se. And, you know, Marshall has knockout power. Now, who's she been knocking out? You know, she does have, I don't know, her resume, it's definitely nowhere near as good as Clarissa's. That's obvious as a pro. Now, she had the W in the in the amateurs, and, you know, hey, she deserves credit for it or whatever, you know. But, you know, and, and sometimes someone will say, well, that's an unbeaten prospect, 10 and 0 or whatever, you know. And then you say, okay, well, who would that unbeaten prospect be? Oh, they beat an unbeaten prospect. Okay, so who was that? Let me see some tape of that prospect. And then, okay, so what's that prospect? You know, and you can kind of box wreck your way <laughs> that way, and it's like, well, you know, I know that person was 10 and 0, but they, they're not that good. You know, and then you, you can even see clips and then, or see a handful of rounds and then check their box rock deeper and be like, well, they didn't have any good wins. You know, and there's always, it, it, I remember looking at that a little bit, going through some clips and whatnot, and she just doesn't really have that many good wins at all as a pro, uh, Savannah. So now does that mean she can't beat Clarissa Shields right now? Hell no. It doesn't mean that. Um, and you can kind of see there, there was a, there's definitely a size advantage, you know, I mean, that's for sure. There is definitely a size advantage. Uh, Marshall's like 5'11". I think it even says 5'11 and a half. Um, but 5'11 to 5'8". Um, Clarissa Shields has a 68 reach. Um, we, I tried to look for Marshall's reach, but even on like I, – I, I Googled it and tried to look different ways in, in a, a bunch of like the zone or a couple different um, boxing websites would just put N.A. like, I don't know. I don't know her reach. So she could be tall and not have a long arm. Sometimes that happens. Or she could have a 70-something reach and have a reach there. Um, either way, I think she's going to have to use her height in, in the fight. And she did that in that fight overall. But just looking, you know, it's only a, a four-round fight. So just kind of breaking down that fight a little bit and what we think could transfer into this pro fight now years later. Um, you know, Shields was very aggressive. She was definitely more aggressive, like I mentioned, as an amateur than a pro. She's a lot more redefined now and, and fundamentally sound and just tighter, you know what I mean, overall. Um, and she's, you know, she's been dropping weight classes, so she's getting thinner and quicker and all that. Um, so she was doubling and tripling her jab, quick jab on the way inside, too. Landed a good right hand. Um, so the first round, she, you know, Marshall landed, like, some nice right hands. Uh, but she just didn't throw that many punches, you know. The second round, you could see um, Savannah or, or Shields uh, once again was busier, landed nice right hands and all that. You did see... Uh, Marshall like moving a little bit more uh, and a little more active in that second round. She she started landing her counter right hand. 
she's got a decent jab. She's got a good jab. Uh, but her counter right hand, using a little bit of angle, I think that'll be, you know, that'll be interesting there to kind of nick that round probably. In the third round, attack mode landing, you know, like some flurries was Clarissa. Um, but at range with that jab, you know, Marshall was doing some good work too. Um, and then there's a late right hand and a combo. I thought it was good enough to win that round. Uh, for shields, and then uh, Marshall just really mostly jabs, a lot of jabs, not doing a whole lot, um, and you can see in that fourth round the aggressiveness and, and, you know, basically going for it, you know what I mean? Um, it was a close fight. You know, scoring in the amateurs, it is what it is, but he, she was really trying to chase her down and be an aggressor in that last round, and um, you know, even in the last round, she landed the body, Clarissa. And they'd be like, well, you know, in the amateurs, they barely even score that. So it's like, you probably shouldn't have done that. But basically, watching this fight again was kind of like, even though it's a 50-50 on the odds, and it, and it is, by the way. Um, you know, I got some pushback for this not long ago. But all you got to do is go to pro boxing odds, which is a great um, – boxing website for betting because it gives you a variety of odds from different websites so it kind of hooks you up there but I mean in boxing if you're both minus that means it's a 50-50 fight um, I think it's bet MGM has Clarissa a, a plus 100 there's a minus 112 minus 110 minus 115 both of them like no I don't think Let's see. There was a there is a, 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 a minus one oh five and a minus one ten. Um you see what I'm saying? Like there's this is a fifty fifty. Whereas Baumgartner is a clear plus two oh five, I think is the lowest I saw. Plus two hundred is the lowest I saw. And it goes all the way up to, to plus two twenty five. Actually, plus two fifty, now that I'm seeing it on FanDuel. They have it at plus 250. So if you like Alicia in this fight, you should definitely put some Shrilla down on it because uh, she is the underdog. But back to the main event, I couldn't help but thinking, and I remember thinking thinking this back then too, but I didn't watch the fight live, but I did watch it uh, somewhat you know, after it happened. And uh, I think I saw the highlights like when they started talking about this fight. And I was like, let me just go watch it again. And the pro style definitely fits Clarissa more. Now, is she going to fight the way she fought where she was really – I mean, I think she is going to have to to an extent because she's going to have to close the gap. I don't know what – you know, like I said, I don't know Savannah Marshall's reach. Maybe maybe it's even longer than I think. It looks like she's got decent size, you know, arms, long, long arms. She's 5'11 compared to 5'8 like I mentioned, so – I'm guessing we're going to see that jab, we're going to see the counter right hand, and we're going to see movement. And she's going to try to, like, you know, she's going to try to, like, catch her on the way inside. And, that, and, and obviously, Clarissa's definitely going to have to double and triple up those jabs. Now, um, you know, I say this a lot because it's true. If you triple up a jab too much, sometimes if someone can counter, especially with the right hand a jab, you know, 
really well, pretty well, with which Marshall can. Um, you don't want to over-jab either. But if you are going to double or triple, maybe you can mix it up more. One to the chest, one to the head, one to the body, you know, and, and try to keep that head movement. And that's something that Clarissa showed a lot more. And you've seen her, like I said, fundamentally fundamentally more sound, more composed, uh, not just trying to knock your head off, you know. I think slowly but surely she's kind of transitioned into that. And she will use defense really well, Clarissa will. I kind of think she's going to have to use that head movement, upper body movement, all the way inside and rough her up and beat her down. Um, so I, I like uh, Clarissa Shields to win this fight. I'm not calling for a KO. Sometimes when stuff gets personal, you can go for a knockout too much as we've seen before, and you can get caught, especially with that. you know. And she's got a left hook, too. She can counter with it, uh, Marshall, but... I like Clarissa Shields to just round by round close the gap and wear her down and, and not necessarily beat her up, but just be a little bit more rough. There were times where actually um, Marshall held a handful of times like hard clinch and even got warned in it uh, because it didn't seem like she wanted a whole lot inside. And we're going to talk about that in the next fight too, because that's probably what mayor or my mayors are going to have to do. But anyway, I do have Clarissa Shields by decision. I could see split decision, majority decision, um, but I'm not calling for like a, you know, I, I think, I don't know. I think that she could probably, huh, it's a 10-round fight. I think she could probably win like seven to three. Six four seven three. The thing is, once Clarissa gets going, and obviously she's fought, like I mentioned, way better fighters overall. And and in those fights, once she gets going and she finds a rhythm, it's hard to win rounds after that, you know. And I think I just think she's seen, you know, some of this style. You could even say Hammer. Some of these fights. And then she's also been in brawls with, you know, Gabrielle's and all that. And that's where I think that obviously she can punch. We'll see who she's been fighting and how much power she actually has at this stage. I'm not trying to rip Savannah Marshall, but we'll see. And, and you know, under control, head movement, jabbing, body work. Make her feel it. And like I said, got to get in on the inside if someone has that reach on you and that height. So uh, Clarissa's got to keep her wits about her. But I do think she'll win this fight. I'll just say 6-4. Uh, but I think there's a chance for like 7-3 and in and, and a, and a wide margin. But if it's 6-4, that could mean a split decision where they're at. You know what I mean? Um, as far as the undercard goes... The um, Michaela Meyer and uh, Michaela Meyer and Alicia Baumgartner. Um, you know, Michaela, they both have good jabs. Um, they both have good footwork. They both are fundamental. I'd say Michaela's a little bit more fundamentally sound as far as uh, 
you know, because she, it's not like Alicia, Alicia doesn't have fundamentals because she totally does. I mean, she's got a great jab, you know. She just fights a much more, uh, just a much more, what we've seen in the last maybe 20 years in male boxing. She keeps her hands a little lower, but she's on the move, but she's not on the move to just get away from punches. She's on the move, but she's going to counter you with big shots. She can go to the body. Anyway, back to Michaela. Michaela, um, she, she probably will have the size advantage. Um, and, you know, I think working the body would be good. We've seen her do that. Like I said, she's got pretty good footwork. She kind of likes to use the angles right in front of her opponent. Um Whereas, uh, you know, Alicia is, is more like she's got a good jab and can land it really well, but the, her jab hand's pretty lower. Her hands, her guard is, all, you know, a little bit way lower. You know what I mean? But she can use angles. and She's got great footwork, like I said, a solid jab. She's just, like I said, she's got a lower guard. You know, she's obviously got power. We saw it in that last fight. We've seen it in other fights. She's got good timing. She's... I'd say a more fluid puncher, more natural, like, kind of can go with the flow. and re- Maybe reactionary is what I'm trying to say. Like, it, once it presents, like, if she gets on the move and use angles, because she'll stand right in front of you at range, she'll, she'll circle you, pivot, and she'll land, like I said, to the body, to the head. Like, she really likes to mix it up. Now, hopefully, now this seems personal as well um, for both of them. Not just Alicia, but hopefully Alicia, for her sake anyway, isn't looking for that one big punch. Hopefully she's putting her punches together. I mean, I've seen her go to the body with a three or four punches. I've seen her throw uppercuts. Like, she can do that. She's just, she's more on the prowl. She's more kind of like at range and like herky-jerky. Like I said, how a lot of male fighters fight after Roy Jones. I'm not saying she's Roy Jones. Jones. I'm just trying to give you an example of she she's got that lurking like, you know, she's trying to set you up. And we've seen Michaela bring pressure, especially to smaller girls, right? Cuz she's pretty tall as well. And I think of course, you know, fundamental and all that. I'm not saying throw the fundamentals out, but the angles right in front of her, right? I think that that is because once again it's like five nine against five six, you know. And if you're going to be at range, be at range then. But I think when you look at her split decision loss, the pressure, and I've only seen that highlight clip. I actually didn't see all the rounds. I saw like a six or eight minute highlight clip. I saw it a while back, and I recently saw it again. And that boxer roughed her up. She brought pressure. She roughed her up. She actually would use an angle herself and land a left hook, get around to the side of her, land a left hook. I just think Michaela, you you know, can have that tight guard and use those fundamentals to get inside. But then when she's there, she's got to rough her up. She's got to make this a rough fight. And we've seen Michaela do that. But this is a different ball game, in my opinion, because of the power, because of the timing. And I don't know. I, I I think this is pretty much 
pick'em fight too. When I go back and look at that fight though, that uh, Alicia Baumgartner fight from like was it 2018? Um, you know, it's an eight rounder. It's a split decision. Um, 77-75. That, that's so it was a close fight. She didn't get completely beat up or something like that. But that that's the way you have to beat Baumgartner is rough her up. And maybe she's going to be more ready for this because, like I said, in recent fights you've seen a more aggressive uh, Michaela. So I think it'll go the distance. I don't think anyone's going to get knocked out. I know a lot of people uh, are like, no, Michaela's going to actually show her power this time. And, and, and of course, a lot of people think Alicia's going to knock her out because, you know, she just, uh, you know, scored that Terry Harper knockout. But, you know, when I say just, she looked very good against that uh, uh, Matisse. Matisse. Um, earlier this year, she looked really good doing she didn't even lose a round. Phenomenal. But, you know, it, it, it's – she hasn't necessarily relied on that, you know, trying to just knock someone out. She did, did have a very close – she did have a very close fight the round before that, too. But this – or the, the fight before her loss against uh, uh, Kirstie Simmons, who's okay, pretty good, you know. So, clearly, you know – um Michaela is more uh, seasoned pro, I guess you could say, um, and she's fought more experienced women, especially in the last, probably since 2020. I think that's fair. Uh, but, you know, she only has five knockouts, so it's not like she's packing a, a you know, a huge punch. Um, I, I'm, I'm stuck on this one. I'll just fully admit. Um, I really am, and I, I could see either winning. Um, Michaela is the favorite for for obvious reasons, and I think that's a good bet. But I think she's going to be a little bit more ready for that pressure, and you know, she, I'm stuck. I'm just admitting it. I'm going to go with the upset. I'm going to go Alicia Baumgartner. I just think she has – both of them have multiple ways to win. I'm not trying to say Michaela, you know. I just think she's slicker. Now, slicker on offense and slicker with her footwork and angles in her punch angles in footwork angles. But Michaela Mayer, that's where I kind of think where she's just fundamentally I'm going to get on the inside in a smart way in a fundamental way, and then I'm going to go to town, and then she's good at that. And I, she's probably seen that tape, obviously, and, and she is going to try to rough her up. Um, I wouldn't doubt if we have a draw. In fact, I don't know, maybe maybe I should say a split draw. Sorry about the con there. Maybe I should say a split draw. I don't know. I, I, I think it's close to a pick and fight. I get why Michaela is the favorite. Like I said, of late, she's – well, not of late. I mean, Harper's pretty good, obviously. But sometimes you get a little lost with knockout power with Alicia, you know. 
just don't know if she's going to have the opportunity to time her as much, whether that's Michaela being at range and just trying to score points or closing the gap. So I don't know if it'll be able to knock out. But I'm looking forward to this fight, just as, a, just as much as the main event. And how many times can you be like, oh, dude, this doubleheader's the bomb. Like, the main event's awesome and the co-feature. It doesn't happen all the time. So, like I said, kudos to uh, ESPN and Sky Sports, top rank. And, uh, you know, Boxer, I guess that's who put it put it together for Sky Sports. I mean, this is a good card, man. I'm, I'm, this is a very, very great matchup. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. But I am going, I guess I'm, I'm going Alicia Baumgartner. I'm going Clarissa Shields. I'm trying to say it could be a highlight knockout from Alicia. Um, I, I just, I don't know. There is, like I said, there is that little, I kind of like the way she actually fought the last. I'm glad she went 10 rounds. And like I said, she was landing left hooks to the body, uppercut, little combos. I mean, she, she mixes it up, dude. Both of them can mix it up. Both of them are very skilled. And this is like, this is like a prime example of this fight of where women's boxing is comparatively to recent past. You know, if we're being honest about it, right, okay, these two females here, I look at them as just straight-up boxers, not female boxers. And I try to do that with everything. But, you know, it's about the depth. It's about opponents. It's tough when there's just not that many opponents in each in a lot of these weight classes. So it's tough to find someone who's really honed in and got so much skill in all that. And, and the different game plans, the different things do in the ring, this is very entertaining to me. But when you get personal, like I said, in both these fights, it's personal, clearly. And who's going to make that mental mistake of trying to show the other one up or show, hey, look, I'm going to knock this B out, you know? That, that's a possibility, you know? And that's why I kind of I kind of feel good that she just went 10 rounds. Um, Baumgartner, I kind of feel good about that because she's coming off this Harper knockout, and it's like, oh, she, you know, who knows? I like that she came back, and it, I'm not saying it, it brought her down to earth or whatever, but it's kind of like, hey, that's pretty good, and then you know it's hard for me to it's hard for me to call for a knockout the other way. If anyone's getting knocked out, I'd say it's Michaela, but I don't think either of them will. Um, but I'm anticipated. I think this is a big step up for both of them, and like I said, there's a lot of skill in the ring, and I can't wait, dude. I cannot wait for this fight. Okay. Um, as far as that goes, that that. Well, that, that, that probably goes. Um, now, Tyson Fury. We'll get into some fight news and whatnot. Tyson Fury is being Tyson Fury, <laughs> right? I'm going to play an Eddie Hearn clip where he makes some good points. I know a lot of people say I get get down on Eddie and, oh, do this, do that. Why, why do you say this about it? And blah, blah, blah. But I always bring evidence. And, and I always bring, you know, explain why? But in this scenario, you know, some of this audio makes a whole lot of sense from him. And we've heard Chisora, Char, the freaking dude from Game of Thrones. Like, you know, 
I just he probably got to the point, and I've heard other people say this too, that the Saudis are, are you know someone in the Middle East or whatever are only going to pay for this. Like the, he only can make big money for this fight. And I do think Tyson Fury's right still with Joshua in him being able to sell more than Usyk. I do think that is the case. Um, pay-per-views in the UK, obviously, I'm speaking of. So, and maybe they would do it in Saudi. It'd be great if they could do it at home, but I get it if the, if the Saudi money or wherever, uh, Emperor's, wherever, you know, the United uh, Empress, if that's, if that's where the money is, it is what it is. But I don't know if he's being 100, you know, 100% serious because it is tough to put a fight like that together. I mean, shit, even doing Saudi fights or whatever, look at how long it took for a rematch that they knew it was going to happen, you know? Now, there was a little step-aside money talk or whatever. Sure, that, that took a little time, too. But overall, and if you even look at the, uh, you know, the Joshua Ruiz fight, that took a little while to negotiate, too. And it just it takes a little while to, to get all this stuff finalized and stuff. But here's Eddie Hearn um, talking to Talk Sport. This is what he had to say about it. Oops. What did I do? He used to come back and say, oh, you know, we want to go in November. And it's like, well, hang on, AJ's just had a couple of weeks off. Like, what's wrong with December? No, 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 it has to be November. Oh, and here's the deal. And they label you on the deal. And, you know, Fury's outstanding at getting the public to believe absolute nonsense. Like, I mean, I think, you know, it, it worries me, actually. By the way, uh, so is Eddie. <laughs> That last little part, I'll replay it. Eddie Hearn's good at that, too, getting the public to, to be on his side. And getting the public to believe absolute nonsense. Like, I mean, I think, you know, it, it worries me, actually, what people do believe. You know, if you, if, you go to, if, you, if you look at the timeline over the last three or four weeks, it's unbelievably bizarre. Yet people still just take it with a pinch of salt and say, oh, he's retired. Oh, he's retired. Okay. Oh, he wants half a billion. Oh, he wants to fight Chisora. I mean, two days ago, he was calling out Manuel Char, another guy, then Usyk. But the, the big problem for, for Fury is that probably in February or March, the Middle East will be looking to make the undisputed fight with um, Usyk. So personally, I don't feel that Fury is serious about this, but if he is, as I said to the, the Warrens last night, 100% we will sit down and make the fight. Give us the day, give us the offer, and we'll come straight back to you. Because like I said, the plan was definitely not to fight Fury, but having spoken to AJ and you heard, you know, you read out his statement, he's ready to do it because these fights don't come around often. He's wanted it for a long time. He would have no problem taking this fight in December. And it would be, a, I mean, it would be a monster fight. I don't care what anybody says. It would be a monster fight. I mean, but it is true. He's like, well, instead of, uh, you know, Tyson Fury saying, well, instead of being like, you know, 80 20 or 70 30, I'm even offering 60 40. You know, if he would have said, you know what, I'll be willing to take the 40 and he can have the 60, then he'd have a point, right? And I know we're going to say, well, Dillian White, you know, they did a record gate at Scott, you know, or at Wembley. Um, and that's that's fair. But you know what? Him and Joshua will do a bigger gate than what that just happened. And, and it probably won't be, you know, it probably won't be in the U.K. anyway. So, 
I personally think I'm not saying anybody's ducking anybody and Tyson Fury doesn't want to fight him. I just think he's I think he's keeping his name I think it's, he's keeping his name out there, man. I don't know. I just don't if you got let's say thirty plus million to fight Usyk in the undisputed in February and March, are you gonna fight in December? I know, you know, armchair quarterbacks, you know, on boxing Twitter. Oh, dude, yeah, they used to fight every, you know, four weeks, every two weeks, every next week I got another fight back in the day. That's great and all, but first of all, it wasn't for this kind of money, you know. And, and I'm talking about you could get cut and then you lose money, you know. Now, you're going to gain a ton of money, you know, in this one too, but I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know if he's being serious. I really don't. We'll see more. I mean, I, I, I just, it's tough to trust Tyson Fury when it comes to this stuff. I'm not saying he's ducking anybody. You know, I still think he's going to fight for the undisputed personally, but um, it would be a big ass fight. And you know what? Sign me up. You could put that shit pay-per-view. I'd watch that one for sure. That's a good, I mean, of course I'm going to watch it, but I'd, you know, it would be a big fight. Anybody says anything else? Now, a couple of years ago, you know, when he was undefeated, sure, you could say he was going to be bigger. Great. I get it. I get it. But it's still a monster fight. Now, on to some other fight news. Um, Jake Paul is signed with Anderson Silva to fight on Showtime. Excuse me, Showtime pay-per-view. And we had kind of seen you know, the writing on the wall with this one, you know, um, that it, it seemed like as the days go by, it seemed like this is, you know, when you hear rumors and you see that you're like, oh yeah, this is actually happening for sure. I think it's in Phoenix. Um, and this is actually a clip of Jake Paul on his Twitter, probably Instagram. Kind of, <laughs> he was kind of using, you know, him and Dana White have that uh, little rivalry, large rivalry now, but he, it was kind of a funny video. Here's his announcement. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time for the fight announcement you have all been waiting for, and I usually have to sell my fights. I usually have to do all of the work, but this time, Dana White, Conor McGregor's dad, is promoting the fight for me. Thank you. Anderson Silva, we honestly need to start talking again about this guy as the GOAT. Not Tito, because he knocked Tito out in 40 fucking seconds. But you know what? He did to Tito exactly what should be done to Tito. Knocking Tito out in 40 seconds is what should have happened in that fight. Anderson Silva beat Chavez Jr. at 40 what? 44, 45 now? 46. 46? 40 fucking six years old. He now left this sport, which he was, you know, considered one of the greatest of all time possibly even the greatest of all time, goes out, beats Chavez Jr. in a boxing match, and knocks Cito out in 40 seconds. Anderson Silva might actually be the GOAT of combat sports. I mean, to, to still compete, it'll be interesting to see uh, what he does next. I fucking guarantee you this. You ain't going to see Jake Paul calling Anderson Silva out. That I fucking promise you. He's his size, and he's actually good. Get out. Hey, Jake. Anderson's out. Jake? 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 Dana? 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 Yeah. Now, I normally don't agree with Dana White, but he 
he is right. Anderson Silva is literally the greatest MMA fighter of all time and one of the most versatile fighters in the history of combat sports. He literally just schooled the world champion boxer in Julio Captain Crunch Sr. Jr. The third. Anderson Silva has been on a KO streak, knocking out Tito Ortiz, Bruno Machado. I mean, this guy is nasty in the ring. And for me, this fight was supposed to be after Tommy Fury because I've never fought a southpaw, and this is a much tougher fight. So anyway, you get the gist. I do... Oops. I do think it's legit, though. I mean, I think it's legit. I know a lot of people say, well, it's going to be a fake fight and all that. You know, fine. If that's what you think, that's cool. No problem. I'd have to see it in the ring. But right now, he's the highest you can get at FanDuel right now. Jake Paul plus 140, plus 125. DraftKings, bet 365. That's the lowest one, plus 105, plus 130, plus 125. He's the underdog in this fight. And, you know, the speed and some of the skills have eroded from Anderson Silva, obviously. Speaking of the Roy Jones style, and I remember, what, 10, 12 years ago? Probably even longer, probably like 2008, nine or something. It was a big deal, uh, well, as far as fight fans anyway, Sam. Roy Jones, Anderson Silva, let's get it on. That was a fight that uh, a lot of people talked about back then. And it's funny because Roy was old then, obviously. Um, and now Silva's. What did he say, 46? So, you know, that's pretty freaking old, um, especially the way he fights. He fights off of the rhythm. The, you know, he, he he's a reactionary type guy, and he wants to, like, you know, hands down. I mean, very similar that way to Roy Jones. I'm not calling him Roy Jones, okay? I'm going to get message for that. But he fights that way where he's just, you know, I don't know. Um, he's got a good jab, like a, a weird kind of prodding jab that he can land good. He, I mean, he's been boxing for a little bit now, you know, beating Chavez Jr. is, is a good fight for him, but you know, it doesn't really do much for me, but, but I get it. I mean, it, it sells, you know, I mean, he should beat him and he did. So, um, I think it's an interesting matchup though. I really do. And as far as like a, I mean, having a, another, you know, like a B-side, right, as far as boxing, obviously most people wouldn't call Anderson Silver a B-side, right, because he was the A-side. Um, so it's, it's a perfect opponent to try to sell pay-per-views in the cell, where did they say, Phoenix? Um, that's for sure. There, there's no doubt about it. There, there literally is no doubt about that. So, um, but yeah, he, uh, I think, oh yeah, it's, it's eight, eight rounds again, right? The eight round thing at a catch weight of 187. I guess the tickets will go on sale tomorrow. Oh no, Wednesday, September 14th. It's at the Gala River Arena or Gila, Gala um, in Phoenix. 187 catch weight. I really like the fight. You know, I do like the fight. And, and people really kind of take this one and say, hey, you know, this is a good fight. You know, it, it's a really good fight. So, 
And I have to agree. I think it is a good fight. You know, I really do think it's a good fight. I think it's a very solid fight. So, um, I'm I'm interested in this one. I'm definitely interested in this one. I think it's a very good fight. Like I said, I, 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 his reflexes may be slower than they were, but he's still, you know, talk about just an awkward style. Southpaw, he mentioned awkward style, head movement, upper body movement. I mean, this guy will be all over the place with his upper body movement, but, you know, where's his chin at? The punch resistant. Like I said, he's so dependent. And that's where I'm using the Roy Jones stuff because we saw Roy Jones deteriorate. And all of a sudden, he wasn't, you could see, man, this guy, we knew he wasn't really fundamentally sound per se, right? But that really shows late in his career. Like the difference between, you know, Roy and Floyd, you could see who was better at defense. Who was, you know, wasn't just relying on move your head you know, the shoulder roll, all that good stuff. But um, I don't know. I mean, I just think it's a, it's an interesting guy to try to chase down. He's going to have to try to cut the ring off. And Anderson just has the fluidity. I mean, he's he is fun to watch. I mean, I've seen him box and whatnot, and I'm not saying it's it doesn't really translate 100%, obviously, to his, his MMA game obvious reasons kicking and all that too but he still has that make you miss juke you out and then make you look dumb and hit you you know and that's something that Jake has not even I'm not saying he's ever been in the ring sparring with but overall I think it's a real fight um, and I did get a message uh, Tyson Fury should be the 60-40 he, you know somebody said 60-40 is you know he's being generous to it but, you know, AJ, I know he's lost three or two times in a row. But in what, three out of his last five? Is that true? Something like that? One, two, three, four. Yeah, I think so. But he still generates. He generates a lot. And like I said, of course, that Wembley Stadium broke the record for any sports in general, right? That was wild. And it just shows you how fighting over here, getting that hype and winning and winning by knockout in both those fights and all three of them have, you know, a great performance and then coming back home. And so I think a lot of it had to do with that, too, because Dillian White is a known commodity over there, especially. So, I mean, the, they'll break that record if it's even in the U.K. And then, you know, all of a sudden, well, it can't be at Wembley because it's the winner. So it'll be in a stadium that holds, what, 75000 or whatever it is. So you could maybe jack up the ticket prices a little bit. But you definitely could, right? And you could price them pretty high. But a good chunk of those tickets have to be somewhat inexpensive because you're asking somebody, you know, that's going to look at a big screen. That's how stadium fights are. If you're not pretty close, you're looking at the screen. You're just in there for the environment. So, And then, like he said, the quick turnaround. Um, it is September, so if that fight doesn't happen in December, there's plenty of time for Joshua to rest and then, you know, have a camp and all that. But is there time enough to get this negotiation done? And was there a December 17th date? 
already lingered. And that's what Fury's trying to take advantage of. I don't know. Clearly, he wants to fight again this year. Now, is he going to fight December and then February or March? Maybe. I mean, let's see. The Ortiz rematch with Wilder was like mid to late November, correct? I think it was, maybe it was early November, but it was in November. 2019, and then Wilder was ready by uh, what mid February. So it's somewhat, and we don't even know the exact date. We heard two different dates they were working on in February, but you know they could push it to March if, it, if push came to shove. Maybe I don't know. I mean, I don't know. It's tough to say, but it, it's kind of an interesting look at it. You know what I mean? Um, I really don't know. Um, let's see here. Uh, fight news. Oh, by the way, RIP to Ernie Shavers. Died at 70 way, 78. He passed away. Um, you know, RIP. Uh, Alexander Usyk actually had, he said he had some stuff to say recently. In the last couple of days, he said, fighting Tyson Fury in December is impossible. First, I have old injuries. Second, I just don't want to box in December. I haven't left the gym for a half a year. I want to be with my children, my family. Boxing can wait a little next year. I think it'll happen. And that's fair, dude. He's had a up and down year. I mean, golly, if we're being honest about it. I mean, this guy has been all over the place, you know. And he's, he's had a lot going on. So if you're going to get all mad. By the way, Natasha Jones did win. Uh, over that, Patricia, I saw highlights of that, uh, the unification fight. Congratulations to Natasha. Um, and another one that I haven't been able to see just yet, that, that uh, strawweight fight and then the Estrada fight. So I'm going to watch both of those, maybe later tonight, either way, for sure. So I will talk about that. But uh, Estrada did come through, and now it's Choco Latito. We're going to talk about that. Uh, we're going to talk about that the schedule in just a, a short little bit. Um, oh, here's Jake Donovan about with the Ruiz Ortiz uh, fight in L.A. talking about fights in the crowd. Death, taxes, and a fight in the crowd in L.A. <laughs> that was kind of funny. I thought that was pretty funny. Okay, so um, let's see here. Uh, well, actually, Aleem, this is Jake Donovan again from yesterday. Aleem basically is calling out Fulton. He's saying, you know, his intent uh, was intent to send a message in the ring performance, and he did. The unbeaten junior featherweight contender then made a, you know, said out loud a statement out loud exactly what he wants in his career. It's time for scared boy Stephen Fulton Jr. to come out of hiding and sign the contract. When do I get my title shot? interesting to see that. Oh, here's another one. Andy Ruiz makes his way to the ring accompanied by a Christian rapper while sporting ring attire sponsored by OnlyFans. I love it, man. That's 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 good stuff, man. It's just kind of an all-purpose type thing there, you know? <laughs> um, let's see. Um, yeah, the 60-40, I mean, I think it should be 50-50. I mean, Usyk, and I know he just beat you know, um, AJ, but they just did a 50-50 Wilder and all, well, 
the first two fights were 50-50, and then part of the second fight, that deal, that two-fight deal that they did for the second and third was 60-40 for the winner. So maybe he's thinking, well, I just came off 60-40. Uh, that's why. But um, no, I don't think it's 70-30. Or, or, I think if he wants to get the fight done quick, he's just got to do 50-50 then. You know? And the thing is, when you're talking about these type of fights where if you can get your fighter thirty million or what it's it, when the when the when it's thirty million dollars plus fighters and sides the fifty fifty gets a lot easier to make you know it really does let's be honest you know if the guarantees are five or eight or ten you know that's where it gets even more funky but um you know it is what it is it is what it is uh, before we get into the zone fall schedule. There was a little bit of back and forth between Ryan Garcia and Gervonta Davis on Twitter, if you can believe it. I, I don't believe it. Wow, that is crazy. Now, um, so Ryan Garcia put the looking eyes, right, and said December, right? He says December. And then all of a sudden, Gervonta... He said everybody has balls this week because him and Haney were kind of going back and forth on Twitter too. And one of them was just leave, and then Ryan Garcia quote tweeted him saying, just leave this tweet up, stand by your word this time, okay, kid? Right? And, you know, it was a shot at for deleting, you know, tweets and stuff like that. And then Gervonta, LOL, okay, you did agree to everything. Interesting, and then Daddy says, isn't it funny you only went up in weight at 140 to fight Mario, but with me you didn't. Shows that you're not that confident, looking for an edge. Nothing going to, Nothing's going to save you, remember that. No edge can stop what's already uh, destined. And to be fair, he is right. He only went up to 140 to, to fight like a, a bottom half top 10 guy. Mario's at 140 was probably in that 8, 9, 10 range, right? Um, but he did say, you know, he didn't like the weight. And since then, he has fought two different fights at 135. So it's not like he's been fighting all these dudes, you know, and then now all of a sudden he wants to go back down. You know, so it is a little different. You know what I mean? That That is a little different. Um so, but I don't know, he said, you know, he says, okay, I will leave it because you I'm basically like giving him a little credit, like, okay, I'll laugh. That's funny. You did agree to everything. So, and, and does that mean he agreed to terms? You know, I don't know. Um, I do think, and, and by the way, I do want to mention Oscar. Oscar's been all over the place. We talked to him, then we didn't. They're messing around with us. It's Oscar, right? He says, he tweeted not long after, still waiting on Gervonta's promoter to call me. You know, it's like, well, my guess is they're going to bring this. Listen, this, these are the terms. I've agreed to it. I want this fight. And they're going to bring this fight to Oscar and say, I want this fight. And I said a while ago, right, I said that personally, my opinion, okay, 
Now you could, and I also mentioned that if Gervonta wanted this fight so bad, he definitely could get it. Um, I believe that. I don't think Al and those guys would would hold off. You know, I don't think that. I think if he said, "Fuck it, let's just do fifty-fifty. Fuck it." I don't know about the zone thing, but maybe he would. He'd be like, fuck it. Let's just, you know, if he really, I don't know. I'm not sure if that would be in there, but he could. So with that said, though, I thought realistically, okay, realistically, the only way this fight's going to happen, they both, both fighters want it. I do believe um, as far as the suits, I do believe Espinosa. I believe all those guys want it. And the reason why, like, I, I don't know if Oscar wants it. Oscar a, a while ago now, and people want to bring up this clip like it was this summer or something. He said, Tank's a beast. Ryan's not ready for him. But he said it a while ago. Him and Ryan have been up and down all around. Remember, they thought uh, they thought that Ryan was ducking old boy and then knocked him out in the first round. But, Ryan just wanted more money because he saw what the zone was paying all these fighters. Um, and so even his own promoter um, and Diaz over there, remember they were calling him out like, dude, he doesn't want this fight. We're trying to give him this fight, blah, blah, blah. So, and they did a very similar thing to Canelo um, saying, we're ready to make fights when he wants to make fights. And, you know, all of a sudden there's a lawsuit and all of a sudden he's out of his contract, right? Um, but my point is, I thought Ryan Garcia, the, the realistic way for this fight to happen is that he uses his management to negotiate with Al and them and agree to terms. So it's kind of similar to what happened with Munguia. Munguia did agree to terms with Charlo. Both of them agreed. And then Johnny come lately in the form of Oscar De La Hoya, Right. So, you know, and he, he stopped the fight. When, when Showtime is ready to put it on regular Showtime, he wanted it on a split HBO, or uh, sorry, a split Showtime to zone pay-per-view. But he didn't want, but they weren't putting any money up, right? Which is always kind of funny. And I'm not saying the zone would put him up a bunch of money up for this, because I do believe they would. I, I can pretty much guarantee that personally. I think I, my opinion is they would put up money this time for sure. But I really think that it's basically Garcia. Remember, Ryan Garcia has money coming in. And they may force Golden Boy slash the zone to pay him so much money to fight a pretty good fighter. And it, or a damn good fighter, or whatever, right? A top 15 guy, whatever. And they're looking at it like, fuck, dude. Basically, we got to match what he's being offered, you know? Because, you know, all these offers that were going out from the zone, well, Bob and Al, that they all had to, in, in, you know, they, they had to match or come close to it. So it put him in a predicament and that's why those guarantees are so high. And in this scenario, if he says, Hey dude, they're willing to pay me this amount of money. I've never made this amount of money. Do you have an opportunity for me? Pay me this? Cause if not, I'm going to go to court, then, you know? And of course the promoter can sit you down, but can you really sit Ryan Garcia down? And he's not going to be like, 
making you look like shit, he's not going to be all quiet like Canelo, you know? And also, he's got plenty of money coming in from, you know, from his outside the ring. Now, he wants to stay busy, I'm sure. And he's made it sound like that. But, and we have heard that he, was it Maxie Hughes that he DM'd Maxie Hughes as a backup fight? And I'm sure Cruz is a backup fight, too, for Javante. So I'm not saying he's ducking or anything. But I've always thought that if Ryan Garcia just goes insubordinate, that there's a possibility here. And he could say, hey, dude, I know that's my guarantee, but you're taking away an opportunity. You can try to – I'm not saying you'd win the lawsuit, but if you're taking away a fighter's huge money, let's say I – don't, I don't know how if it's double tr- – I don't even know what they're offering it, but it's more than whatever. That's for sure. We know that. So cause it's a big fight. And same with Gervonta. Garcia than anyone right now uh, in that you know weight class. So I don't know. I, I'm not going to hold my breath because to have November and December, Spence Crawford in that one, it just seems not realistic, right? It almost seems like Fox would have to come in and you know outbid one of them. Or, you know, I don't know. But and Gervonta was at the fight. This, and that's why some people thought, oh, he's going to fight Mars, oh, he's going to fight Cruz. But it was a Fox card. Um, and remember, Wilder, like Showtime put a lot of money into Wilder. And then they had a successful pay-per-view with Fury. And then he went to Fox. So is that the savior to make this fight with big pot of money and, and having Gervonta go to Fox? I, I have no clue. We don't even know if Fox 100% for sure is going to be in business with the PBC next year. They could be a, a ready to announce a deal, a new deal. They could be not involved. Uh, you know, we've talked about that. So I don't know. I really don't know, but I'm not going to get I'm not going to get my hopes up all the way. But that would be a disgusting way. And Fury even said to the Ring Magazine that he'd actually be happy. He'd be fine with a BT disowned pay per view. Is he for real? And by the way, um, multiple people tweeted today that DraftKings put up the odds for Tank and Garcia. And it's they have it uh, listed as, what, December 17th. And right now it's plus 150 for Ryan Garcia. So he's, you know, he's not a two-to-one, like a one-and-a-half underdog and, and minus 195 for Gervonta. Um, per sources, this is uh, Davies, Gareth uh, Davies. He says uh, the, the KSI what is it, Swarms event did um, 445,000 buys. I don't know if that's total because it was 10 bucks here, and I believe it was 10 bucks in the UK, I think. So if it does 445 buys, that's huge. But if you're only charging 10 bucks, then that kind of limits your revenue comparatively because, you know, of course, like uh, Marcos from Fight Hype comes out, influencers selling the same amount of pay-per-views as Canelo. Yeah, it's like, dude, let's be fair about that, though. If you're only, you know, charging 10 or 15 compared to 75 or 80, let's be honest about that. But he said boxing needs to wake up and realize they need a different approach to marketing 
what's the theme here? These influencers made their fan base on YouTube, not newspapers and traditional media. And I understand what he's saying. And boxers could get better at YouTube, TikTok, you know, Instagram, whatever, right? But how many years those guys put into YouTube, doing YouTube, you know, videos every day? And remember, both Logan and Jake, the things they put on video. Remember, was it Logan that had, he was walking in that forest in Japan where a lot of, you know, not a lot, but people have been known to kill themselves there and he showed like a a dead body, you know, like he had to do some way over the top. They had to do so much over the top shit that these boxing writers would destroy fighters, destroy them for, for posting this stuff. And they would say all sorts of nasty shit about them. But that's how you move the needle, you know? So although I totally understand and agree, yes, you could put your name out there more. And yes, the marketing for the fights and all that. Yeah, I get that. But the whole point of, dude, just do all this stuff on TikTok and all that, YouTube, and you'll just sell more. Oh, hold on, dude. You know, that's where it's kind of, it's kind of bullshit. You know, it's pretty pretty much bullshit. Um, someone asked me if I'm going to get into the Montero thing. I've uh, I've read so many tweets about Montero being over the top biased uh, in so many ways. And you know, recently a bunch of uh, forum comments came out, like in a boxing forum. Before social media, it was boxing forums, right? And uh, he was saying a bunch of, I mean, some really ignorant shit, whatever, right? And I, I don't mean to say just whatever, like blowing it off. It, the stuff he said, I don't think he'd tweet now, per se, but he, he's tweeted a lot of stupid shit. Ignorant shit, racist shit, in my opinion. And also, he talks in code words, and that's the key for these ignorant people and slash racist people, especially just ignorant. It's like, and, and, and I've always said he's so biased against the PBC because it's so obvious, dude. And so I'm not going to have some kind of huge segment on him. He's, he's been in the boxing Twitter segment several times throughout the year, but, or throughout the time here. But I'll just, I'll, I'm not going to do a large segment on it. I'll just read two tweets. This one was from 2017 because he, he's like, oh, the, the shock jock, you know, when I was growing up, it was shock jock, you know, and and Howard Stern and late 90s, early 2000s, and that's how we spoke to each other. And, and some of the shit he was saying, it was like, really, dude? Like, okay, you talk to your 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 friend that way, but you don't do that shit online, man. You know, I don't know. But I remember this. He said, and this is 2017, Ward, is, Ward isn't black because they say it, uh, this purest boxing, this is June 29, 2017. He said, black people don't need a black hope. The best boxer of nearly every generation is black. Facts. Uh, Andre Ward, pound for pound. Now Crawford, the future, right? And this is his response. Ward isn't black. His mother was black. He's mulatto. And mulatto, like if you, that word in the 80s, mulatto, in maybe early 90s or whatever, it was out there. I do have to admit that, and I've seen a, you know black and white people say it. it. 
it's an ugly word because when you look it up, if you don't if you don't know what the hell mulatto means, go look it up. And it's a really fucking it, it's pretty bad. And once I found out about that, it was like I didn't use it a lot, but I heard it a lot. You know, and it, there was that black and white that means you're mulatto, right? That's what people used to say. But I haven't even heard that word in so so long. And he's like, he's not black. His mother was black. He's mulatto. Like, to use that word now. And then here's another one. It's from the boxing. That was Twitter. Jeannie said, how does Ellie, or someone asked, how does Ellie setback make his money? And he said, he's Jewish. You know, it's like, now a lot of people say, oh, it's just a joke. It is what it is. It's like, but, but it just, so that's it. So he doesn't hustle. Don't get me wrong. I don't. You know what I mean? I'm not a big uh, I'm not a big setback fan as far as boxing knowledge. You know, he says some stupid. He's a fanboy in a lot of ways to Jim. That's how he gets in there, too. But he hustles, too. He works. And he's been doing it for a long time. So to just be like, oh, he has money because he's Jewish. That's how he makes his money in boxing or whatever. It's kind of like, all right, dude, whatever. Um, Haney earlier was going he had a tweet saying funny talking about uh tank he said funny he got so much to say after my fight gets announced but wasn't he the same pussy that was saying he was gonna fight me next if i beat cambosis after the fight we ain't heard shit well to be honest with you on that one you know let's be honest dude like we all know you have if you want to keep your belts and hey if you don't want to keep your belt that's cool but actually it's not just keeping your belts you'd owe money to them if you didn't fight him. We all know you have a two-fight deal with Cambosis. And I guess it's, what, three-fight deal or something like that with, with uh, ESPN top rank. And uh, is the bell in there, too? I think it's just top rank. But to sit there and say, oh, you said you were going to do that after Cambosis, but you didn't say shit. Well, dude, come on. To be honest with you, let's be honest about that. Like, we all know you had to fight him again. Unless he didn't want to, you know, that'd be different. Um, but he also said he's never going to fight nobody. He's 27 with a Mickey Mouse belt. The best person on his resume is Pedraza. Get the F out of here, right? Um, and then you did kind of see, you're not kind of, you did see Espinosa come in and say, I don't know anything about your deal. Whoever is legally off, op- oh, wait, actually it goes back. He says, I'd be happy to s- discuss it. Haney, Steven Espinosa, but I understand you've signed a promotional agreement, which, as you know, means that, that all the discussions must be handled by your promoter, and they have a final say on what fight, on who to fight. Um, have them give me a call, best of luck, and October fight. He says, we both know Haney. We both know co-promotional deal. My father has reached out to you numerous times with no response back. Knock it off. That's uh, Steven. So then he says, I don't know anything about your deal. Whoever is legally authorized to handle your deals can reach out to me. I don't negotiate deals on Twitter, and neither should you, unless you're just clout. You're just doing it for clout. And I'm not calling him out for, oh, he's doing it for clout. You know, I'm not, doing, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. But to sit there and be like, oh, he didn't want it after I was done with that fight. It's like, well, dude, come on. Nobody can get it with you right now. It's up to Cambosis. I mean, that's what it comes down to. 
Cambosis is the one who, who, who had control there. So, whatever. Um, and he also got, you know, back, he had a got, got the back and forth with uh, Dougie Fisher, who Dougie Fisher could have just either not said any or just took the high road in his comments. Because, you know, Devin's mad that he's not on the pound for pound list because he's undisputed and he has the ring lineal. And he's like, all right, then basically, like, send it back then, basically. Like, if you don't want it, send it back then. And it's like, well, dude, that, I mean, really, that's, so that's your first response? That's really your first response? It, it, it just seemed kind of weak. It seemed real weak. But he said the youngest, uh, this is what Devin Haney said, the youngest undisputed champ of the fourth belt era and not on the pound-for-pound pound list is crazy, especially when, uh, guys who don't even hold the ring magazine belt currently makes the list. Get the fuck out of here. Um, this is on Fight Hub TV. WBC press frustrated at Canelo avoiding David Benavides. Plans to enforce the mandatory at the WBC, WBC convention. At the convention last year in Mexico City, Canelo lied to us and requested to be able to do uh, fight in the cruiserweight division. That's why we ordered the interim belt for Benavides and Lemieux. That's what uh, Mauricio Sullivan, Sullivan said. Um, be, uh, Benavides is going uh, to be defending his uh, interim WBC title soon, and Canelo is fighting, like I said, 40-year-old Triple G in a couple of weeks. At the convention, we're going to have, we're going to enforce David's mandatory position in that division. Benavides is a very good undefeated champion, and we heard Jamal Charlo, who is another possibility. Um, there are many fights that are viable to be made in that category. Because remember, you know, he he basically, you know, I don't I don't know. I mean, he he's the one who came up with the franchise belt or WBC. So once you're the franchise, isn't that supposed to you're not supposed to have any kind of mandatories. You're free to fight whatever weight you want. That's their, that's them saying it. So it would be great if they did enforce it. Uh, of course, Canelo could just drop it. And maybe he is uh, going to fight Canelo and the, or Triple G here. Well, he's going to do that. But then maybe he's going to go fight Charlo and Benavides next year. Who knows? Um, but this is what Dougie, someone sent this to me, Dougie Fisher. He said, if you have a problem with the rings rankings, problem with the rings rankings that you want to take it out on our champion. Oh, that you want to take out on our championship titles. Why would you want to hold on to it? Even if it's just kept in your home, the ring could keep their belt. So let's, so let us keep it, send it to me. I'll pay the shipping. And that was just, that's such a weird response. Like, fine, send it to me then, you know. It's just, it's a weird, it's kind of like, really, dude? Like, <laughs> it's just such a weird thing to, like, what, do you, what are you worried about? The guy blow some steam off and say good luck in your next fight and keep it moving. Um, here's some boxing Twitter segment, then we're going to get the hell out of here. I see, oh, God. Usyk running scared of the Gypsy King. I see Usyk has ducked a potential December fight with Tyson Fury. What a shame, but Usyk can't run forever. 
Fury by KO. Why can't you just say Fury by KO when the fight happens? Why you got to throw Usyk? Oh, he's ducking him. Come on, dude. Come on. Boy, these boxing YouTube channels are going to have a lot of explaining to do when Spence and Crawford gets announced in order not to lose credibility because damn near all of them say the fight isn't happening. I feel like it was an, it'll be announced very soon. Yeah, I mean, there's been a lot said. Let's put it that way. Oh, by the way, um, so as we know, December 3rd, Estrada and Chocolatito 3, which I'm very excited about. I know a lot of people don't want to see it. Not a lot, but there's people that don't want to see it. But I do think the second one was way closer than people thought. It wasn't just a runaway for Gonzalez. Now, if you want to say he won, cool. But to sit there and be like he got robbed, personally, I don't see it that way. But I am – I love both those fighters, but I do have – I do like a strategist a tad better, if I'm being honest. But Jake Donovan tweeted this confirming the rest of 2022. And, you know, Anthony Joshua's on this list too, but we just don't know if he's going to fight Gisumper for sure or not. Who knows? So he's probably on the list. But anyway, this coming week or two weekends from now, Canelo Triple G. Uh, so September 17th, Canelo Triple G pay-per-view. Um, September 24th, Wood and Lara, which is a great fight. Um, October 8th, Eubanks Jr. and Ben, which is pay-per-view in the UK, but it sounds like it's going to be just regular to zone here. Then the Misfits card that I'm not – it's a pay-per-view. I'm not interested in that one. But Bivol Ramirez, which has a good undercard, Diaz Zapata, which is a damn good fight, and then Arislandi, Jesus Christ, Estrada, Arislandi, Lara, Estrada Chocolatito. That's a damn good schedule. Canelo Triple G, Wood Lara, Eubank Jr. Ben. I have interest in it. I don't think it's a great fight, but I definitely have interest in it. And I'm glad it's not pay per view here, like I said. But Bivol Ramirez. Estrada Chocolatito, I like that Diaz Zapata. That's a damn good schedule to close, man. Shots out to the zone. They've had, you know, since the um, since COVID hit, it, it's been up and down for them. They had a rough 2020 for obvious reasons. Uh, they're kind of up and down last year. I actually thought Golden Boy was putting on. Golden Boy putting in kind of one-sided fights to an extent anyway this year. Not all the time. Matchroom USA has probably had a better year, but they don't put out enough stuff. So since that November close, uh, or since the October, November, December, the fourth quarter in 2019, the second quarter and the fourth quarter were phenomenal for the zone in 2019. Since 2019, so almost three years now, God, it's hard to believe. 2020, 2021, and now 2022. This is this this slate here. This is their best schedule since then. It's not really close, to be honest with you. They've had some really good fights. Don't get me wrong. And sometimes just a great triple header or whatever, you know. But man, like, yeah, dude. It's that's a good good schedule. I really like that. Okay, one more boxing Twitter segment little item here and then we'll get out of here. Andy Ruiz showed the world oh Jesus Christ, dude. Andy Ruiz showed the world tonight why Canelo Alvarez picked a forty year old 
as his next opponent instead of rematching Demetri Bibble or fighting David Diaz. If it was a younger Luis Ortiz, he would have easily outboxed Andy. A loss, um, Ortiz's chin was already cracked by the baddest man on the planet, not once but twice. There's a reason why they served a 43-year-old Ortiz instead of Hellenius. So you think, I mean, instead of Hellenius? Like, what? I mean, considering how long he was out, I thought it was pretty good. And this is what uh, the tweet that Fury sent out, Yo, Anthony Joshua, Joshua what are you going to say, G? Let's give the fans what they want as Usyk is bitching out. I got a date, venue. Who will rule Britannia? Or Britannia? He says, yeah, calm. I, yeah, calm. I don't do online discussions just for clout. So if you're really, if, if you're really about it, or if you're really about it, shout 258 management. I'll be ready in December. In December. So, yeah. I think that's Oh, say what you want about boxing ability, but Anthony Joshua will always be more courageous than Tyson Fury. (laughs) Oh, man. It's just... We got some degenerate-ass fans out there, dude. And I know most of it is just trolling. But still, dude, how can you lower yourself I almost hope it's not. I almost hope it is trolling, because then it's like, all right, dude, you're trolling. You know, fuck off, but you're trolling. But if that's real, <laughs> oh, these sideline fanboys are just nuts. Anyway, I'm out of here. Enjoy that doubleheader card. Can't wait. We'll be back next week um, for Canelo Triple G. Peace. Once you become the world champion. I believe that you feel you have the upper hand. So now, when, as you fight, let's say you fight for five years of straight survival, of bullshit, of the whole bag, and when you come over here, you're like, you know what, that made it. That will show you it's this. So I'm going to get any, every dollar worth of, 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 of what I deserve. Why? Well, I'm